Tuesday afternoon is here, and so are we. Welcome in, everybody. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you here in, as Big Voice Guy said, the Buffalo Wild Wings Studios on this Tuesday, and we got a lot of stuff to talk about. NBA draft is happening on Thursday night. What will the Thunder do with the 12th pick? If they keep the 12th pick, we'll jump into that a little bit later. We'll also have Brandon Rabar on, uh, I think, Thursday uh, before draft nights. But uh, we've got uh, the College World Series happening. ORU in a staying alive John Travolta matchup today. ORU and TCU, the winner of this game today at 1 o'clock, will move on to the semifinals and will have to beat the Florida Gators twice uh, to get to the championship series. So we got that going on, but mainly where do we start? Oklahoma football. That's king around here. It's always king on this radio station. And uh, Parker Thune, you've got those future casts out. The most recent ones for Caden Durham, the running back, uh, Michael Patterson, McDonald, again, the safety uh, Xavier Robinson, the H-back, also uh, yesterday, one right here on the air, four-star linebacker James Nesta. Uh, so, again, we await those. When will those commits happen? And, in fact, will they happen? But when Parker says they're probably going to happen, most of the time they do. Also, what's up with Max Anderson, the offensive lineman out of Frisco, Texas, said big news on the way. You'd anticipate that's a commitment. now. Tennessee? Do I think that's OU right now? I don't really have reason to believe that other than the very surface level fact that he is fresh off the OU visit. So that's not what I'm taking for granted right now. James Nesta has announced that he's committing tonight. Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. Is it our time? Okay. So he's in North Carolina. So it'll be six o'clock this there you six go. o'clock here. And that one is widely expected to go Oklahoma's way. If you can't tell from all the predictions that have dropped in favor of the Sooners for Nesta over the last 24 hours. And, man, I haven't put the future cast in, at least not yet. But OU's made a big, big surge here in the last 24 hours for Taylor Tatum as well. Ooh, how about that? I saw him also uh, with Skip Johnson as well over the weekend. So, uh, Taylor Tatum, you you don't want to – you would you want to out-recruit Mule Shoe, you know, any day of the week. So – Taylor Tatum, was he on the SC visit the week before? Champion he was. Barbecue? And he's not going to Michigan this weekend. Yeah, I saw that. So that's pretty big news. So it's down to Oklahoma and Muleshoe. And it feels like Oklahoma has the inside track there. And you know what's interesting, Steely? You know what's really helped swing this thing in favor of Oklahoma for the time being? And I am still somewhat wary of USC making another foray into the Taylor Tatum sweepstakes, perhaps with some more financial backing. Mm -hmm. But what's really helped Oklahoma swing this recruitment over the last couple days is baseball. It's the baseball part. Also a cornerstone reason why James Nest is expected to commit to Oklahoma tonight. But (laughs) Skip Johnson, man. There you go. Skip Johnson. You got to love Skip, Skip is the one who knocks. (laughs) Like Heisenberg. He, uh, yeah, what a classic. I, when Skip comes on with Toby, it's must-listen radio. He's so good. But uh, think about that. USC used to have a great baseball program back in the days of Rod Dato. I mean, they won a lot of national championships, had a lot of great players. But uh, maybe that will be the deciding factor in the recruitment of Taylor Tatum. So if you can get Caden Durham, Taylor Tatum, and Xavier Robinson in a class, grand slam, right? That is that is a Kenzie Hansen home run against Clemson 
uh, to win the game, basically. That's, that would be awesome. You'll take that. That's yes. arguably Oklahoma's greatest running back haul in any singular cycle. Yeah, and Can you, you think of one that tops it? Well, I'd have to go back to the 70s probably, but definitely, I mean, look, Javante Barnes, Gavin Sawchuk looks pretty good too, right? Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk both have the potential to be 1,000-yard rushers mm-hmm. this fall. And as of right now, you know, two, three years down the road, we could be looking back on Oklahoma's 2022 class at running back as the best they've ever we- – weren't Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon in the same class? That's probably offhand who I would go with. Because they were. They were both class of 2014. And in terms of their productivity oh at the my University gosh. of Oklahoma. Yes, and great complimentary backs too, right? I mean, different kind of backs. We both great in their own way. That's pretty darn good. And back in the 70s, I, I would try and have to remember who was in the classes. But, I, you know, they got Billy Sims one year, number one running back in the country. They got David Overstreet the next year, who was the number one running back in Texas, one of the top two or three running backs in the country, but not in the same class. But that would be a great haul, again, if they get these guys. Uh, Skip and Willits put in the major work for Taylor Tatum is what we're hearing on the text line. Yeah, you saw the picture over the weekend, and uh, great for them. Great for them. Kevin Sperry is going to be playing at Carl Alberts. How about that? (laughs) May I introduce you to your 2023 5A state champions in the state of Oklahoma, the Carl Albert Titans. Well, that's almost a given a lot of years, right? But you add Kevin Sperry to the mix. Yeah, forget it. That's like Oklahoma softball getting all those transfers last year, right? When you get Haley Lee and Sid Sanders and Alex Starocco. Carl Albert is now... The Oklahoma Sooners softball of 5A. So people are going to be extremely jealous, right? Extremely jealous. I mean, but... wouldn't you? Kevin yes. Sperry, Xavier Robinson, Marcus James, Trene Washington, Tristan Haynes, all on the same football field? It's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. No doubt about it. All right. So, again, uh, of these guys with the future casts out there, Caden Durham, the four-star running back. Again, four-star safety, Michael Patterson-McDonald. Three-star H-back, Xavier Robinson. Four-star linebacker, James Nesta. It looks like Nesta is going to be the first to commit because that should happen tonight at 6 o'clock. Who would be next in line if Nesta does commit? As expected tonight, I think 405, Kenny King and Billy Sims may have been in the same class. And that's a pretty darn good haul. Kenny King, Clarendon, Texas. Billy Sims, Hooks, Texas. Good call, 405. Kenny King, of course, became a really good NFL player. Caught a touchdown pass from Jim Plunkett in the Raiders Super Bowl victory over the Eagles. So, uh, you know, that's a good call. And I think you are correct on that. think you are correct. But uh, of the others, Caden Durham, Michael Patterson-McDonald, Xavier Robinson, uh, and then we've also got um, who are the other guys that you uh, uh, Jason Ross, the four-star defensive end, and Zion Raggins, the four-star wide receiver. Who would you expect would be next after Nesta com- announces for Oklahoma tonight? I have an idea who it might be. It's a player that I <laughs> I'm sworn to secrecy on. <laughs> Uh, that, Ladies and gentlemen, now, get your Everest gear together. We are scaling the paywall oh, together. Me, it's not we behind are, the paywall either. Uh, it's not? No. You'll go behind the paywall and you still won't find anything, Steve. Okay. Now. Can you give away a position? No. Can you give away which side of the football? No. You are you are another mule shoes, which you are very <laughs> sneaky, very non-trustworthy, very, very sneaky. Now, 
Uh, if some of what I have been told this morning regarding Taylor Tatum is true, that is a decision that could very well come down by the end of the month. I expect Xavier Robinson to be committed by the end of the month. So potentially you're looking at three or four commitments within the next 10 days for Oklahoma. And that's still, I would say, you're still waiting for the surge to really hit in the month of July because that's when most of the motion will occur. Some people are saying we will only take two running backs. Any truth to that? Well, if you want to classify Xavier Robinson again as an H-back, then yes, if you can get Caden Durham and Taylor uh, Taylor Tatum, of course you take two, right? I mean, that would happen as, as highly ranked as those guys are. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But that is going to be very interesting news uh, coming up again tonight, 6 o'clock. July 8th for Devon Mitchell. What's the latest we're hearing there? We always heard that Oklahoma was the leader. Oklahoma's still in a good spot there, you think? Yeah, and the Miami visit is supposed to take place this weekend, so we'll see if that changes anything. But for the moment, there's no reason not to think that Oklahoma isn't, isn't in the driver's seat for Devon Mitchell. Michael Hawkins factor is still the key there? Buddies. One of the keys, yes. I would say that relationship has driven a lot of Mitchell's interest in Oklahoma, but also... Uh, just looking at that depth chart at tight end and Mitchell's belief that he can come in and be an instant difference maker, I'd say that has certainly played into this, as has the relationship with both Joe John Finley and Jeff Lebby. The proximity to home doesn't hurt either. Yeah, there are a lot of reasons to believe Devon Mitchell will be a Sooner. There you go. All right, that is what's going on in the world of recruiting. We want to thank Tim Lasher, his company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405 405- Five seven nine thirty one thirteen. You need the AC tune-up done right now. Make sure, like that's your starting pitcher. That's the ace of the staff. Your AC goes down. You're not going to the postseason. You're going to have a miserable regular season, where it's going to be just completely smoldering in your house if you don't get it done right now. So give Lasher Home Comfort Systems a call. Four zero five five seven nine thirty one thirteen. Uh, great company, great Sooner Tim Lasher, and they are they're awesome. Okay, um, when we get back, I want to ask you guys this question. Fact or fiction, is this the most important year in the history of Oklahoma football? Now, it sounds, look, even when I say it, I'm like, man, that sounds like complete hyperbole, and you're going way too far. But is it, fact or fiction, is this coming season – the biggest in the history of Oklahoma football because of the ramifications if you struggle and fumble and bumble and stumble through the season again like they did last year, which I don't think they're going to. But let's say they go 8-4, and four, you know. What does that do in terms of where they're headed, in terms of keeping this momentum and recruiting going on? I know, they're, you know they don't have the commitments that you want to see right now, but those are going to be coming because of Brent's philosophy. philosophy. But do you believe this coming season for the Sooners is the most important in the history of the program? Fact or fiction? Tell us yay or nay. All right, we'll do that. We'll start getting to your text when we get back, 405 651 3439. That's 405-651-3439. What's your take? Let us know on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, the home of Sooner fans. It's the ref here on a Tuesday. We're coming right back. It's 
Steel Man and Thune here with you on the Home of Sooner Fans on a Tuesday afternoon. Great to have you along. 405-651-3439. Knippemeyer Chevrolet text line. 405-651-3439. Old cheesy radio announcer here. That's what I am pretty much. Okay, uh, so I'm throwing this out here, and again, uh, it does sound like hyperbole, and maybe you believe it is, but I believe this is the most important uh, year in the history of Oklahoma football, at least since I've been alive, and I've been alive a long, long time. I came into this world in a stagecoach, pretty much, you know. Well, not quite that, but I've, the dinosaurs had just perished, and that's I, I'm an older dinosaur now. But in terms of where college football is heading, where the program is right now, uh, the new conference, you know, NIL, Transfer Portal, this new galaxy we're in for college football, um, Oklahoma has been arguably the greatest college football program of all time. We talked about the college football news, did it again this year. They uh, tallied up their all-time AP rankings. This goes back to 1950 through last season, the team's, it had the most points in the AP poll throughout history. Number one, Oklahoma. Two, Ohio State. Three, Alabama. Four, Notre Dame. Five, USC. Then Michigan, Texas, Nebraska, Penn State, and Florida State. Nebraska is not uh, certainly not anywhere near one of the top eight programs in the country. And you do have some of these, you know, guys like Colin Cowherd knows he's going to get a reaction to the Oklahoma fan base. He says, look out for Oklahoma. They could be the next Nebraska. And everybody freaks out. But in terms of going out and reestablishing some confidence and stacking another great recruiting class on last year's, on top of last year's class, you got to get this done because you don't want to, you know, this, this schedule has a lot of tomato cans on it. If you're getting ready to fight, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson or Joe Frazier or George Foreman in their prime and you're beating up on, uh, the Bayonne Bleeder, Chuck Webner, and some tomato cans to get there, you're probably not going to be super prepared, you know, to go face the greatest heavyweights. And you're going to face a lot of those in the SEC. Now, again, there's some decent teams on this schedule, but you've got to go out and win 10 or more games this year. You really need to do that to get momentum back. Parker, I know you're confident they'll recruit well again. Uh, they need to have another top 10 class. But, again, you can't go in, you know – punch drunk into the SEC and last year was in many ways an embarrassment to the standard OU football so what do you guys think factor fiction most important year in the history of Oklahoma football oh here we go from a listener in the 405 if Brent fails again this year the OU program is dead haven't an incon having an incompetent coach going into a new league will end the program so there you go if the Sooners don't win nine games this year, cancel football at the University of The Boomer of Doomers have spoken right off the bat. Do we have Boomer Doomer music yet? Boomer Doomers, Boomer Doomers. We need to find some. We really do. Look, if that's the way you feel, let us know. I don't, you know, uh, Look, there is no guarantee that Oklahoma football is going to be one of the top five football programs of all time. We all, you know, if you're a Normanite like me, if you've been born and raised in the state of Oklahoma, you want that, right? Yes, that's right, Zach. It was a schooner, not a stagecoach. But there's no guarantee of that. I think Oklahoma's going to have a bounce-back year. I think, again, they're going to have another good recruiting class. What, You know, as long as they're in the top ten, is that what you feel about this year, Parker? 
top seven, top eight, what do you say? What's a really good effort to put on top of last year's class? Obviously, anything better than four is is great. I would say you got to stay top ten. Top ten. You got to stay top ten, and with with the understanding that what helped inflate your total last year was that last minute flip of Peyton Bowen, and also you've you've already lost Derek LeBlanc. So, is it the number four class as things stand right now? No, it's maybe not that high. But again, in the midst of a six and seven campaign. You made some really powerful, pivotal additions down the stretch to close out what was, at the time, a top-five recruiting class. So as long as you stay in the top ten, two consecutive years, first two years for a brand-new staff, after coming in amidst the shambles that Muleshoe left behind and building that class up from number 22 when they got to town to number nine by the end of the 2022 cycle, yeah, I think you at the very least can feel good about the future of the program with the talent that you're accumulating but the culture has to take root. And I think one texter said it really well. This comes from a listener in the 405 here. 100% fact, biggest season ever, the soft schedule adds pressure to excel before heading to the SEC, which is to say, if you don't win this year, you can't expect to win next year. Well, and the thing is, again, we always, in this day and age, the latest is the greatest, right? Or, you know, this is the biggest season. And I understand that. So I'm not trying to be Colin Cowherd here. I'm serious about it because, in true Sooner on the text line says 2000 was the biggest season ever because it pulled that season pulled the Sooners out of the doldrums. You come off again, uh, John Blake and Howard Schnellenberger, uh, disasters. For OU, and then Bob Stoops comes in, wins seven games his first year, and the second year they win the national championship. Yeah, I've always said Bob Stoops resurrected Oklahoma football, you know. Um, but the reason I think this one is at least as big, if not bigger, is the transition to a much more difficult conference and in a new world where NIL money means – you know, as much or more than anything in this uh, new world of college football recruiting and the transfer portal and everything else. All right, so what do you think? Fact or fiction? Biggest season ever coming. 405-651-3439. I wish OU was in the SEC now because of the biased leadership in the Big 12. I wish I was wrong, but since 2021, the announcement of OU going to the SEC, things went downhill, and yes, I said it. Hopefully OU will win out, and I want to be wrong. Well, there were uh, what was it the uh, the holding calls for uh, the opposition last year were not very there weren't very many and there were yeah a bunch. Well, was it a you... conference play there was one holding call against Oklahoma's opponents or something like is that is that a conspiracy or is that there <laughs> I mean that's quite... I don't know that's like that's some deep state type stuff it is deep state but. I'm not so sure that – I'm not saying the conference office, Bob Bowlesby, came in and said, well, let's screw these guys as much as we can. But I don't think there was a bunch of jumping up and down when Oklahoma and Texas lost a game last year. Okay, Parker, you take over. Your voice is better. Go for it. My voice is yeah, better? Oh, yeah, it's much better. I mean, it's younger. It's I don't know about It's much younger. Better. It's much – see, I'm already out of breath already, which is sad. Is it because you're drinking an energy drink? Maybe. Because your heart's going too fast? Today, I have the uh, Kiwi Blend. That would give it a 6 out of 10. Kiwi Blend? Mm -hmm. Kiwi Blended with what? I don't know. It's blended with something, though. It just says Kiwi Blend. Interesting. What brand? This is Rainstorm. I've never heard of it. 
I haven't either. You have an impressive array. Of I try all the different flavors. Energy drinks is what I do. <laughs> Santa John says these boomer doomers are in reality poke and shorthorn trolls trying to stir up the OU fan base because they don't have anything better to do. They are more concerned about the Sooners than their own schools. So, anyway, you know, it, I got to say, though, the Texas fans learning, and I didn't know this until the other day, that they call Texas Tech, the Red Raider fans, Sand Aggies. That's pretty good. I like that, even from the T-Sips. True Sooner says 2000 was Oklahoma's most important season because it pulled us out of the doldrums. Yeah, again, as we said, that was that was big. Like I said, Bob Stoops and that staff, an incredible staff. You look back, it's amazing when you have great runs or a great season in college football and you go back and look at that coaching staff and you see who was on it and you're like, wow. you know. And that was a tremendous staff they pulled in, no doubt about it. And, uh, yeah. Bob, uh, second year, you know, came in and got it done. And look, it it can get even worse than it was last year. Blake and Schnellenberger. John Blake, great guy, great recruiter, super charismatic, gregarious guy, not a head coach, more of a, uh, more of a position coach. Howard Schnellenberger, well past his prime. You know, he and Jim Beam had a better relationship than he did with the OU fan base. You know, super arrogant, changed the uniforms. It was a disaster. But uh, Bob Stoops certainly set the uh, the course of the program back on track. Ah, here's another Boomer Doomer text. What makes you guys think we'll have a top 10 class for 2024? We can't get anyone to commit after these visits, and it doesn't feel like we're doing a good enough job to have a top 10 class. Plus, we constantly lose out on top guys, or at least it feels that way. Is it June of 2022 or June of 2023? I can't tell. I was thinking we heard a lot of those same sentiments at this point a year ago. Now, you did get three five-stars in the class, but sometimes, you know, you remember the ones that got away. DJ Hicks last year, Colton Vosick last year, Jordan Evans to Celia Kana. But when when you're in the running for some of those high four-stars and five-stars, you know, if you can put Ted Williams' numbers up there and bat 400 or so, you're still doing good. So, By the way. Let's see how it plays out. I understand the frustration out there right now, but let's see how it plays out. By the way, Ronnie Crimson's throwing some shade your way. He says, Kiwi Blend sounds like a mule shoe drink. <laughs> uh, Ronnie, you're probably right on that one. You're probably right. All right, more texts on the way, 405-651-3439. That's 405 651 3439 on the uh, Meyer Chevrolet text line. Defense is what the Sooners need more of. No doubt. And I think they're going to be better on defense. But all this love for Quinn Ewers in the postseason, I mean, it happens every summer. Oh, Texas is – here they come. I heard Plank talking about this. I want to talk about Quinn Ewers versus Dylan Gabriel. We'll do that next right here on The Ref. Longhorn Nation, we're back. That one puts a smile on Parker's face all the time. Every time. Every single time. Every time. time. All right. uh, So I was driving in this morning in the 
first segment, I was a little bit later than I normally am, and so I was listening to Plank as I always do. In the first segment, he's talking about, yeah, this Texas talk again. And I'm like, dang it, Plank, I was going to talk about Texas talk. But, you know, it is the summer. And, uh, by the way, actually, my energy drink flavor should be called low-hanging fruits right here (laughs) is what I'm drinking because we're going to the off-season Texas talk. But... You are hearing a lot like, man, who is it, Urban Urban Liar? So did, you know, some people tell me Texas has the best roster. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about the mighty Quinn, shall we? All right. Quinn, Quinn Ewers. All right, so a friend of mine uh, doesn't like the Longhorns, but he said, Steely, you know, here's the deal. Texas does have a better roster than we do right now. It's just a fact, and their quarterback is three times what ours is. Okay. Let's hear the mighty Quinn. Yards last year, total yards thrown for. Quinn Ewers, 2177. Dylan Gabriel, 3168. Completion percentage, the mighty Quinn, 58% completion percentage. Dylan Gabriel, who a lot of Oklahoma fans think just stinks, 63% completion percentage. Touchdowns last year, the mighty Quinn, 15. Dylan Gabriel, 25. How many games did he miss? One and three quarters. Dylan Gabriel. Uh, let's see. Six interceptions for the mighty Quinn. Six interceptions for Dylan Gabriel. Overall quarterback rating, the mighty Quinn, 132.6. Dylan Gabriel, 154.5. Whose numbers look uh, drastically better in that comparison? Dylan Gabriel's, right? I mean, it's it's – if it's not a knockout, it's at least a technical knockout right there. But everybody, again, because Quinn Ewers was the number one recruit in his class. And look, it, when he was playing against Alabama before he got hurt, I'm thinking, man, he looks good. But, you know, think of the game in Stillwater last year. So, you know, we did play the Greg McElroy clip that he ranks Dylan Gabriel as the number one quarterback in the conference. What are you thinking? Why, again, are people – just assuming, and you hear, well, he's going to be a high draft pick or whatever. All right. But numbers-wise and production-wise, Dylan Gabriel was way ahead of him. Is it just the hype for Quinn Ewers since he was the number one recruit in the country? It's the Texas factor, and the te- and, I, and what? Yes. I don't know what it is about Texas or why the national media feels the need to prop up Texas time and again, but – it's almost like if you are a highly regarded, you know, high profile type of football player at the University of Texas, the media attention is almost disproportionate to what it otherwise would be if you played anywhere else. You know, I think part of the reason that happens, people can't believe that the University of Texas can be that mediocre. Because Austin's a good city. It's a cool city to live in. They've got all kinds of money. They've got a great state to recruit to. They have a really good tradition. Now, the recent tradition, not so good. But I think a big part of that is people just can't believe that, well, this has got to be the year for Texas. They have too many resources. Uh, you know, they just uh, this, this has got to be the breakthrough. But summer after summer, we see these projections, and Texas goes 7-5, and 8-4. 
whatever, six and six. Um, I don't know. I just, I just don't see it. Now, look, Texas, what they have over Oklahoma this year, receiving cores, Xavier Worthy. You've got Jatavion uh, Sanders at tight end. You've got Jordan Whittington back. They get the kid from Georgia, A.D. Mitchell, right, that transferred in. But they don't have Bijan Robinson anymore. And I know they think their offensive line is going to be great, but I don't know. Not totally not buying. Got to see it to here's, believe it. Here's my thought on Texas and why they continue to generate buzz as a potential Big 12 champion and college football playoff contender every single year. It's because historically, when you look at the last 10 years plus, yes, they've been largely mediocre. But the national media hasn't been beaten into submission by their ineptitude yet. They haven't outright sucked. There got to a point... Where And I'll use Nebraska as an example. Nebraska in 2019 was the preseason favorite to win the Big Ten West. After going, what, 4-8, and 5-7, and seven, something like that in Scott Frost's first year? That is to say, it took a long time before Nebraska simply sucked enough that the national media quit pounding that gong and just realized, okay, we can't count on this program returning turning to its former glory until we actually see it happen. Texas hasn't been outright bad enough for that to happen. They are continually, year after year, mediocre. And when it when a program with that significant of a national brand is mediocre year after year, it makes some sense to keep touting them as a sleeper or as a team for whom... This upcoming season is going to be the breakout, right? Because you almost figure you can't keep a program of that ilk down forever. And to a certain extent, there's truth to that, right? Nebraska right now in 2023, I think under that new coaching staff, even after 25 years of being relatively irrelevant in the national landscape of college football, they're going to get things turned around. Now, does that mean they're going to win three national championships in four years like they once did? No. And I don't think anybody in their right mind is touting Texas as a national championship contender, but I suppose when you have that as backdrop for all of the preseason narratives, it starts to make a little more sense as to why Texas seems to be as popular of a sleeper pick, if you will, year after year as they are. Quinn Ewers, in my opinion, had a disappointing year, you know? Well, he did, uh, by anyone's standards. standards. And yet people are just, it's almost like it's, they're doing the same thing with the program every year that they're now doing with Quinn Ewers. Well, he was rated so high, man, he's got to come through, and maybe we, he will have. He had a few moments, like I said, in the Alabama game last year before he got hurt. He looked pretty good on a, on a big stage. But uh, Texas has had some losing campaigns. They've been you know, mediocre, and they've definitely been below par over the last decade. So, you know, I've got to see it to believe it. And if you want to see it, you should go see Dr. Bellardo, ladies and gentlemen. Are you an old man like me? Or maybe you're just uh, like in your 40s now. I think 43 is the average age when you start having some maybe some vision problems and need to get that vision corrected. If you're one of those people that, you know, when you have your phone to read a text, you know, you've got to have it right in front of your face or pull it way back to see it. Or you got to have the gigantic Godzilla-sized old man text. 
You know, you don't need to do that. Go see my friend, Dr. Bellardo. I've known his staff at the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center for years and years and years. Had Eagle Vision for a long time. Had a little correction uh, after about 15, 20 years. And back at Eagle Vision, Dr. B and his team, they've been the leaders in that department for over 20 years in the metro area. They will do a great, great job. Give them a call at 405-755-7700. Get a free consultation from Dr. Bellardo. Or you can go online to ALCOK.com. Dr. Bellardo and the crew there, they'll make you feel very comfortable, very relaxed. They are the best in the business. So if you want to see far, you want to see near, you have to come here to the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. All right, we're going to get right back to the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line when we return here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Buffalo Wild Wings Studio on this Tuesday afternoon. Keep it right here on The Ref. We're coming right back. All right, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Get out to Riverwind Casino today. They've got the uh, final drawings coming up this Saturday night for the 80K New Beginnings and Winnings promotion. Giving away a ton of cash and bonus play. Get on out there today. Five times entries on your wild card for every uh, couple points you get out at Riverwind Casino today. You want to be a part of that new member seven program at Riverwind as well. Earn up to $450 in one day by getting your very own Riverwind wild card. Won't cost you a dime. Standard issue Riverwind wild card is going to win you, uh, you know, some promotions. You'll hear your name called. It is a valuable thing to have. So go get your Riverwind wild card if you don't have one already. You can upgrade it to Elite and Premium and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, the the standard issued Riverwind wild card, uh, you know, you, you can be sitting there. You have your wild card on the machine you're playing. Hear your name called in a promotion. It happens all the time. And make sure and get out there this Saturday night's uh, 6 to 11.30, they've got the preliminary drawings. Three winners every half hour are going to win $500 in cash or $1,000 in bonus play. And then they have uh, grand prize winners they'll draw out just before midnight at 11.59. So a bunch of winners coming up um, this weekend. And, again, the uh, winners for the $80,000 New Beginnings and Winnings promotion drawn out at midnight, you're going to win $1,000 in bonus play and $1,000 in cash, plus any unclaimed prize amounts from the earlier drawings. If somebody doesn't show up and there's 500 on the table, you know, then you get that as well. So the 80K New Beginnings and Winnings promotional drawing happens this Saturday night, but today's a big day to get out to Riverwind through tonight at midnight because Mondays and Tuesdays you get five times the entries for every five points on your wild card. Another reason why Riverwind Casino is simply the best. Okay, 405-651-3439. Let's do it. Johnny of Stutzman Army says, Good morning to my favorite geriatric and minor. How are y'all doing today? We good. We good. Everything's good. Listen, it's a good Tuesday. Steely is still two months away from being a geriatric. August 18th, the official. I, I, I'm at the, uh, the peak of geriatric mountain. Right now, I'm I'm on my way trying to get to the summit, so we'll see. Oh, from the 405, Texas was five and seven two years ago. Nobody wrote them off as sucking. OU goes six and seven one season, and nobody talks about them. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy that way. You're right. It's right uh, on the money. I think. Good point. Oh more. Oh boy, here we go. This is a long. This is a whole paragraph. Holy cow! That's war and peace. That's a manifesto. <laughs> 
The Unabomber's it's, texting from is, prison. This is the Boober Doomer manifesto right here. Here it is. All right, no, here the, Uni- the Unabomber died last week, so it's not him. Did he really? How yeah, did, did you I not miss see that? No. How did I miss yeah, that? Yeah, old Ted kicked it in really? prison. Like I said, if there is, if you have a manifesto, there's a good chance that you're incarcerated or brilliant but insane. That's what Kaczynski was. Brilliant well, let's but hear crazy. This, let's hear this brilliant but crazy manifesto okay. from one of the Boomer Doomers. You guys make it sound like we're going to get a bunch of these recruits when all we've done is swing and miss on the big ones. So why is it that we are called Boomer Doomers when all we're doing is trying to follow the information that you provide, such as future casts on kids, just to have them not turn out? I'm not talking about a three-star kid because that kid is a project, not a kid anyone expects to actually make an impact. Also... Tell me why OU fans can't want the best players out there. We understand that we won't get everyone, but to continue to lose out on big-time players to programs like Oregon and Texas A&M is unacceptable. So stop calling those of us that actually care boomer doomers unless you're going to stop throwing out future casts because of bad sources or bad choices on your part. That uh, That's a mini-manifesto is what it is. Look, I'll say this. Parker, you can answer. Here's the deal, people, Okay. Most of you realize this. Some of you don't. Most of the stuff that I say like that is mainly tongue-in-cheek BS. Haven't, guess what? I, I don't totally despise Lincoln Riley. I strongly dislike him. But this is supposed to be fun. So, yes, if somebody says something negative, it doesn't mean we hate you or anything unless you're just a total moron. But... Boomer Doomers, it just kind of sounds fun to say. You know what I'm saying? I understand the passion. I get it. I get it. But, you know, that's all I got to say about that. Colin KC says, Boomer Doomer should be changed to miserable sack of loserdom. (laughs) See, I do understand the frustration. I really do. Because, you know, this is a new deal uh, where these commits don't come in as quickly as they did, and they did swing and miss on some. But, again, they still got the number four class in the country. You know what's interesting, Parker? I've got some of our – this has a list of the sponsors that we need to get in every hour. And uh, I, I usually don't read straight off the script, try and personalize it a little bit. But on, you know, information about last year home comfort systems, there is a note scribbled on here by me. That says Parker OU number 10, August 1st. You know what that means? What's that? OU would have their 10th commitment by August 1st last year. It's still in here. And you were right. I remember because I wrote that down and you were right. They did have, they got their 10th commitment um, around that time. What do they have now? They have six, correct? In this class. And that means that what happened, there was a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that happened in the month of July. And finally, they got they got to 10 commitments by you said they'd have 10 by August 1st. And they did. You think that's going to happen again this year? I think they might have 10 commits by July 1st if current trends hold. Really? Now, that's not that's not a promise I'm making. Mm hmm. But I think it's a possibility. Tim in Missouri says they're boomer doomers because their memory span is that of a goldfish. What was OU's recruiting ranking last year at this time? Doomers just keep swimming in your bowl. Uh, yeah, but for reference, OU was 34th in recruiting at this time last year. And aren't they um, like, I think they're like 
45 or something like that right now. Texas yeah. is really low, too. From the 708, the information you guys provide that always seems to be glossed over by these doomers is when you repeatedly say, wait until July slash August. Another listener in the 405 says, I guess JFA, PJ, and Peyton Bowen were chopped liver. I don't understand why we can't get the best players either. When's the last time OU had a three five-star class, I wonder? Uh, before It was 2019. Before last what? year's 2019. Yeah, really? Hazelwood, okay. Theo Weiss, and Spencer Rattler. Oh, yeah. Well, and some people had uh, Bridges close to a five-star too, right? Yeah, that's true. But, wow, I totally forgot. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Old man memory, not too good, man. Colin KC says, play the Aaron Rodgers <laughs> R-E-L-A-X clip for the Doomers. I love the uh, realtor Chris. Doomers going to doom. From the 214, it blows my mind people question the staff after the number four class in 2023. Lincoln Muleshoe yeah. got commits earlier, but lost them a lot of times in December. Well, Muleshoe's a sack of feces. We've said that, but, you know, cuts corners and all that stuff. So he's right. Hey, they're up. building him a new performance center, though. Oh, gosh, that dude. He's the biggest hillbilly to have a mansion out in L.A. since Jed Clampett. I mean, come on. That guy, he uh, if he wins a national championship, I I might spontaneously combust. Don't let it happen, football gods. I don't think you will, but don't even consider it. Okay, want to thank Lasher Home Comfort System sponsoring our first hour. We got a lot of text on the way. Nick Saban had some very interesting stuff to say. Is it all right to say that I like Nick Saban? Is that all right? Is that passable? Or am I going to get attacked by people? Because guess what? I've kind of learned to like Nick Saban. One of the reasons, when he wins a big game, he and his wife, Terry, play Gimme Shelter full blast on the trip home. And that's a great Stone song. All right. Take a break right here. we got a lot of stuff to talk about, mainly college football. Coming up right here on The Ref. Oh, we are talking, all right, no doubt. Talking to you folks out there, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, Mike Steely, Parker Thune here in the Buffalo Wild Wings studio. Hope your Tuesday is going well. And we're going to get to the text line again here in just a minute. But uh, Nick Saban came on with Joel Klatt on these uh, big noon conversations. I think this was the second one he did. The first one was with uh, Deion Sanders. But I don't know. Nick Saban, to me, he's become more likable. I don't know if I ever really dislike Nick Saban. You know, I've always found some of his press conference blowups funny and they, they don't seem to happen as much but interesting conversation with Joel Klatt I, I'm a big Joel Klatt fan but I've become more of a Nick Saban fan as well uh, and again a big part of that was seeing I can't remember if it was the uh, SEC Network documentary or something where he and his wife you know if they're driving home from a big game and they're you know going at home then they just jump in their car and they crank Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones to celebrate and that's that sounds pretty good to me that's a man of Steely's generation that's right there that's exactly right uh, but Nick Saban uh, touching on a couple subjects and we go to a 12 team playoff in uh, 2024 
which is good for OU because the more the merrier, right? And again, particularly when you could be eight and four, or certainly even nine and three in the SEC, and be one of many teams selected from the uh, the SEC to get in the twelve team playoff. So that's kind of the safety net. Um, you know, you're going to make more money. You're going to be able to get in on better recruits, even though the Sooners usually are in on some pretty good ones already. So, but again, Sooner fans are going to have to get used. There are going to be some seasons where you're going to lose four, maybe five, and maybe, you know, if you really have a bad season, it could be worse than it was a year ago, which was kind of brutal. But uh, Nick Saban was asked if parity in college football would be better, and he said that, yeah, more parity would be good, but certainly not the ultimate answer. Even in the SEC, when you add Texas and Oklahoma, there's going to be more parity because there's probably going to be six, seven teams ranked in the top 20 sure. that are going to be playing each other. So, um, But the problem with the way the whole system is, there's no account accounting for that. All we do is take the teams that win the most games at the end of the year and put them at the in the playoffs. But do you really get the best teams? You know, when, when, they, when they told me that we would be favored against three out of the four teams that got in the playoffs, I'm like, well, why aren't we in the playoffs? Does that mean they have a better team? Or does it mean that those people don't know what they're talking about? I, I really don't know that. And I'm not being critical of anybody. But if you're going to have parity, you have to have a better way of figuring out who has the best teams. Not just because you lose two games on the last play of the game yeah. that knocks you out when you may be better than somebody else who didn't have the same circumstances that they had to play in. Rarely do I disagree with Nick Saban. But I'll say it. I disagree with Nick Saban. You disagree. What do you disagree if with? If you want to make the college football playoff, mm-hmm. you have to win enough football games to get there. And if you lose two games, in general, well, not in general, in every case in the history of the mm-hmm. college football True. playoff, you are out of the running. But his and point the, is, do we have the four best teams in the playoff? Well, Alabama, look, Alabama better than TCU, you think? Well, look, you can make that case, Michigan, certainly, yeah. but... TCU went out and won enough football games to put themselves in a position where even when they lost the Big 12 championship to Kansas State, there was still enough of a gap between them and everybody else for them to comfortably sail into the four-team field. And so the 12-team playoff will alleviate some of that. You won't have you, you you will have a greater margin for error, especially in the SEC, because of the strength of schedule than you do right now. But in general, man, like this is the nature of playing in a four-team playoff. Only four teams, the four teams at the tip of the top, are going to make the field, and there will be at least two or three teams every year that have a legitimate case and feel like they belong in the top four that get left out. It's a highly exclusive Don't get me wrong. I was not sad that Bama wasn't in the playoff last year. But I understand what he's saying. He said, well, yeah, you would have been favored. But that's that's really not the way it has worked. It's almost like they don't want to put, you know, make it the SEC Invitational and maybe a Big Ten team in or whatever, right? Okay, but sure. What I'm saying is there's a reason the games are played on the field Mm -hmm. and not at the sports books. Right? Yeah, because sure, yeah, you can absolutely. say Alabama would be favored over three of the four playoff contenders all you want. The reality is, Alabama could have very easily rectified that problem by simply winning one of the two games that they lost on the final play. And there's not even a debate. They're in the playoff field. A one loss Alabama 
absolutely in the oh, playoff field. Yeah, no doubt. But that's the razor's edge, man. Bama you have to is, win. Bama has traditionally been given the uh, the biggest margin of error, pretty much. Yeah, you can go out and lose one. You're good. And Oklahoma's been a beneficiary of that as well in the past. So here's what Nick Saban said when he was asked by Joel Klatt on these big noon conversations. Again, this was his uh, second one that he's done. The first one was with Deion Sanders. Uh, Joe Klatt said, it, in terms of all of the problems, if you think they're, you know, we're doing some good things with college football right now, but in terms of the problems you think there are there, which one would you address first? Here's what Nick Saban had to say. Well, I think you have to create a balance between how much do you take and how much do you give. You know, we're giving people scholarships. We're creating name, image, and likeness opportunities. But what is their commitment I mean, there's no place in the world where you don't have a contract. Uh, If you're going to receive benefits, you have a contract and an obligation to do a certain job. So when you can opt out, transfer, do whatever you want, whenever you want, I'm not sure the balance is quite right. Mm -hmm. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that are much more qualified than me that are trying to figure out how do we fix this. But I think we do need to create some balance because I think at the end of the day, when you create an atmosphere where somebody's tentatively committed to what they're trying to accomplish, you have to evaluate, is that really a good thing? Sure. Because we all need to be totally committed to whatever you know, our goals and aspirations are, the sense of purpose that we have, if we're going to have a chance to be successful. I think that one's pretty much right on the money right there. So that was Nick Saban again on the uh, Joe Klatt podcast that he's doing, uh, I think it's now once a month. Um, which is pretty good. I like Joel Clad, and I thought it was it was pretty fascinating stuff, most of the stuff from Nick Saban. All right, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. For people just tuning in, uh, four-star linebacker James Nesta tonight, Parker, 6 p.m., making his announcement, and uh, percentage, one out of ten, that he's going to make that for Oklahoma is what? 90%. There you go. Parker's giving it a 9 out of 10. So there you go. So you got, again, future casts out for Caden Durham, the four-star running back out of Texas, four-star safety uh, Michael Patterson uh, McDonald, three-star H-back Xavier Robinson, four-star linebacker James Nesta, again, who is expected to commit to Oklahoma tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, Max Anderson, as we talked about during the first hour, the big offensive lineman from Frisco, Texas, who has Oklahoma on his list along with Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, and Arkansas, just tweeted out yesterday, big news on the way. So we're thinking that that's – I mean, if he's down to five, right, that's going to be a commitment? You think? You'd think it would be a commitment, yes. Um that kid stayed very quiet, kept everything close to the vest. I know he likes Oklahoma. I know he likes Michigan. I know he likes Tennessee. It feels like the safe money has been on Tennessee here recently. Uh, I'm actually going to circle back around with a couple people on the Max Anderson front uh, later tonight and try to get some better intel there. But from what it sounds like, um, Oklahoma's still got some work to do there if they want to get the commitment from Max Anderson. So you were saying right now 
that we talked about. I had written down on one of our sheets in here that's still in here that, uh, and this was done last year when we were talking about the same kind of stuff. The Oklahoma's the commitments are slow to roll in because of the Sooners' philosophy. You know, if you commit to us, that's it. Visit wise, uh, it was the uh, was it Ashton Cozart who challenged that and went to Oregon, and then they were like, bye bye, uh-huh. bye bye. So then it changed a little bit for Colton Vosick, and, and you can see why with Jordan Evans, who Vosick ended up at Texas, Evans ended up at Georgia, you know, family situations with both of those. But I put Parker 10 by August 1st, which was the number he threw out there, and they did end up by 10 with 10 by August um, 1st last year. But you're saying there's a possibility they might have 10 by July 1st, right? That's certainly within the realm of possibility. I think they'll have, at minimum, eight by July 1st. In fact, I'll, I'll guarantee it. I will guarantee you right now, July 1st, Oklahoma has, at minimum, eight commitments. Eight by July 1st. Yes. Okay. Let me write that one down. Too. I'm going to notate this. Eight by July 1st. From a listener in the 918, did Coach Saban forget they lost games they were favored? In. Very good point. Yeah, and true. that, folks, yeah. is why the game is played on the gridiron and not on paper. Uh, from the 918, I don't read the Saban quote as we need betting lines to determine the playoff field. I read it as if Vegas thinks we would beat three or four teams, then why wouldn't the committee think that as well? Well, because that's a very sub- subjective evaluation. And when things are by nature subjective, there will not be a consensus in some cases on said things. And so, am I shocked that the committee's opinion differed from that of Vegas? I mean, we've seen this over the years. It's the same. It's the same reason why Oklahoma got into the 2003 national championship game against LSU over USC. USC, as I recall, was number one in the coaches' poll. And actually, when they went and won their bowl game, could lay claim to a national championship that year. But the computers, the BCS computers. Still liked Oklahoma over USC even after they lost thirty-five to seven to K State to yeah. Kansas State. In the Boy, Big you talking about game. Uh, we had? I remember at the time, you know, I was working at the uh, Animal, obviously, way back then. But we had a giant heated tent for advertisers and fans to come in, and you talk about a group of boomer doomers that night. Oh, it was the end of the world, the absolute end of the world. Eight new commitments or eight total. Eight total. Yeah. Not eight new ones. Yeah. If you had eight new commitments in the next 10 days. That would be 14, right? That'd be one for the books. That would be. All right. We're going to break right here. 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I'm Mike Seeley, old man regional radio star, along with the young media prodigy Parker Thune. Together, it's Steelman and Thune here in the afternoon on the Ref Radio Network, coming right back on the home of Sooner fans. All right, Tuesday edition, Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, Ref Radio Network, getting locked in at 2 o'clock. Always some great radio, no doubt about it. Okay, uh, by the way, the uh, Nick Saban clips we played in the previous segment are Ortho Central Clips of the Day. Ortho Central Clinics in Norman, Midwest City. 
Now a brand new Tri-City location. That's Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full-service clinics do a great job treating orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. Those are our ortho-central clips of the day. I think I have found uh, four things that I dislike more than Texas right now. Mule shoe. One. I don't know. That's that's all I can come up with off the top of my head. USC. Can you separate the two? Well, or that's up to you. All right. Uh, mule shoe. USC, LSU, wow, and TCU. You hate LSU more than you hate Texas. I. You hate TCU more than you hate Texas. I really strongly dislike TCU right now, too. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Gary Sweaty-ass Patterson, you know, the memories of <laughs> uh, Bud Jamoy Hodge, the, uh, the Jack Tatum of college football last year, taking out quarterbacks. Uh, I don't like Sonny Dykes. I don't know what it is. I just don't like him. And that overrated ginger Max Duggan either. And how they embarrassed the Big 12 in the national championship game, and they dominated Oklahoma. Just bad memories. So I'm watching ORU and TCU, and it just angers me to see TCU. It just angers me. I don't know how long that will last, but I think I dislike those four, three schools and one human being. Worse than Texas. Muleshoe, USC, LSU, and TCU. Wow. On my bingo card for today on this show, I did not have Steely revealing that he hates LSU and TCU over Texas on it. Wait till you encounter those drunken Cajuns, and they are just subhuman, most of them. I'm sure there's some that are maybe you could consider halfway normal humans, but most are absolute cretins. I mean, like I said, they're the stage right before you turn into the zombie. You know, in the movie when you know, uh-oh, he got bit, he's getting ready to turn. That's this. That's pretty much what they are. Big Rich in OKC says, Steely, you guys are imparting so much knowledge, you should have powdered wigs on. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Ronnie Crimson added, Steely, you left out Clark Stroud. Yeah, I don't know, look. It always sounds bad. It really does. I mean... But yeah, I, I I don't I still dislike Texas more. The crimes against the University of Oklahoma that were committed by that duo, though, you know, in a hearing there is no doubt that Muleshoe would be convicted of crimes against the state. So would Stroud. The others, Brian Odom, no, nah, I don't think so. Who else should be Roy Manning at least for tampering, right? Out there double recruiting like a double agent when it all went down. So would we convict Roy Manning of at least a misdemeanor? He's an accomplice. You convict him as an accomplice. An accessory, as it were. Yeah. Steely said Jordan Evans' last segment. You're talking about Anthony. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Old man problems. They they prop up here and there. Hopefully they won't be too <laughs> getting worse. But, yeah, big difference. Uh, Anthony Evans, the kid – that ended up at Georgia, the wide receiver. But uh, is there anybody uh, that you dislike more than Texas? Anything you dislike? The sound of styrofoam. Really? Yes. Uh, like a little, little scratch, scratching oh, like sound. A, oh, yeah. like a styrofoam ice it, chest or something. Like that it is shreds bad. my, oh my ears. Gosh, that did. I still hate Texas worse, but that's bad. That is the worst thing in the universe, in my mind. What about somebody licking their fingers during a meal, like at a... Uh, you know, barbecue place or something. Sam and Edmund says, Danny Cannell is definitely climbing near the top of my list. He's crying <laughs> about the jello shot challenge now.
Danny God, shut Cannell, up, Danny yes. Cannell. Danny Cannell. Oh, my gosh. He got just roasted by the OU fans in softball. By the way, I uh, did get a text that said, Steely, are we going to get the Alana, Alani, Alana Botter, the uh, transfer from Stanford? Well, Botter, of course, was the other Stanford pitcher. Not Nigel Kennedy good, but still pretty darn good. I haven't seen. Um, I thought I saw somebody said Georgia might be a possibility. I don't know. Do you think, though, that there's a concerted effort out there? Because I think we had a little a conspiracy against the University of Oklahoma. You've got so many of those people out there. Do whatever you can to beat OU, please. This is unfair. <laughs> you know. There were some real whiny wimps out there. That whatever that ridiculous, bogus organization was, it's going to be fair to sell you too much. You know, it's like, shut up. So I just wonder, will there be a concerted effort? Will, will there be collusion going on behind the scenes? I mean, I don't know how that could affect Elena Vodder from not going to Oklahoma, but people saying, please, we've got to stop these transfers and going to OU. They're too good. It's kind of sad. We might have a uh, – maybe they'll accuse OU of having a monopoly on college football. <laughs> monopoly. And, like, and like Patty Gasso. Redistribute the uh, assets. Patty Gasso will have to go before a Senate committee or something, you know, in D.C. <laughs> that would be interesting. Uh, Gunny of Stutzman Army says, Soar Golden Eagles. I'm ready to see Blaze yes. Brothers give ORU a lead because you know I'm blazing, brother. Yes, uh, we have no doubt about that, Gunny. No Gunny's always blazing. Doubt. Uh, but, so, yes, our – Oral Roberts Golden Eagles are currently top of the second scoreless. Scoreless top of the second with TCU, whom they beat on Friday during mm-hmm. this very show, courtesy of the three-run bomb in the ninth inning from Blaze Brothers. What a great name. What a phenomenal name. That is a great name. And uh, you know that Gunny has some Blaze Brothers in his crew, too. There's no question about that, right? Patrick said, uh, uh, Patrick on the text line says, Steely sounds like me after three days with no blood pressure meds. <laughs> Do I sound angry? I'm just saying I'm surprised that I have more anger in me. Need to let go of that. It's not good. But when I see TCU, I'm just like, those miserable frogs. There's something about them. Maybe it's because I have a few longhorns in the family, you know, that I had to deal with over the years. But TCU, I mean, my cousin played quarterback at TCU for a while. Zach Allen, he was a backup quarterback, ended up transferring to Rutgers. Great kid. But I just have the anger for TCU right now. I'm not sure why. Not sure why. Big Bad Wolf says, what's worse than Texas is when someone you're eating with is smacking the crap out of their food. (laughs) When someone from, yes, if it's a Texan, it's worse. I just don't like the finger lickers. Yeah, finger. Ugh. Ugh. Like, just, something, it gives off very juvenile vibes. It's very like, barbaric. Are you eight? Yes, it's. It, I. You know who does that? Infants and Genghis Khan and his crew. That's pretty much it. <laughs> the history of history. You know that Genghis Khan was <laughs> was doing some finger licking back in the day around I've, the campfire. I've never put two and two together about <laughs> what the uh, the center of the Venn diagram of infants and Genghis Khan consists of. But here we are. That's why there's some brilliance here every day, my friend. That's why there is some. All right, somebody put a hate list together. Nothing like some good hate radio, right? Hundred mile an hour winds, no power, PSO, no AC. Oh, is that going on? Oh. 
That's, that's on their hate list. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Why doesn't Cal Hurd judge OU softball the same way he does OU football? Because there aren't enough softball fans out there that would blow up that much. Now, the OU fan base would a little bit, but he's going to get more mileage out of dog and OU football. You know, he's trying to stir the pot. That's what he's trying to do. And softball is becoming a lot more popular. There's no doubt. I love the sport. From the 405, all the Texas talk is about the TV market, one of the largest in the country. Always follow the money with the media. Well, that's the thing. Like, you don't really need to play up Texas in order to appeal to the market if that's what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. You can shoot straight. You can be honest. If you think Texas is going to suck, you can say Texas is going to suck. And I guarantee you that will go just as far, if not farther, with that fan base. We see this with Oklahoma, right? If you want to engage the OU fan base, just say that you think they're going to suck or even that they're not going to be the big, bad Oklahoma Sooners that they have been. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's a that playbook. That comment from Jen Schroeder was getting played for months Oh yeah, here in absolutely. Oklahoma. I don't think it's going to be big, bad Oklahoma quite the same this year. and you know, But it's all about engagement. We live in a society. There was a uh, an episode of Black Mirror. Have you seen that on Netflix? I watched like one season. And they look into the future, and it's kind of like a, a modern-day Twilight Zone. And one of the episodes was people were walking around the streets, and above their head was a little bubble, like how many followers they have, you know, on each social media service. And they were all completely, you know, worried about that. I've only gotten so many impressions today. And that's what was society. That's what your worth was determined by your social media presence, and that. Which is sad, but for many people, it's true. It's true, particularly for young people. It's like their self-worth is coming through their social media. We used to call that people who needed attention, you know, like the class clown or whatever. And I know this is an old take. It is, but it's true. But we've got got millions of class clowns out there or millions of people that – You know, every day it's all about impressions, likes, retweets. I think it's a sad existence, but that episode came out. That was probably six, seven years ago, and it's already coming true, big time. All right, why did I even say that? I can't remember because I'm old and I have no idea what I'm doing. That's why. All right, I'm going to go yell at a cloud during this commercial break, 405-651-3439. That is coming up. The Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, which is blowing up. And we'll get to your text when we get back right here on The Ref. We are back. Jordy Ball has spoken about the past week. We'll hear that coming up here in a little bit. Showplace Theater is just what you needed, right? Because we are back with shows at the Showplace this Friday night, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Again, this Friday night, that show is sold out, no tickets available. But that what a great way to kick off shows at the Showplace Theater again. As I said, this has been uh, three-plus years since we've had a show at the Showplace Theater. Uh, tickets are available for two other shows in July, Josh Turner. Uh, is coming up, and that's going to be uh, July 28th. Collective Soul, July 21st. Uh, we are looking at Gabriel Iglesias' show now, sold out July 29th. Uh, Dwight Yoakam, uh, August 19th, that show sold out. Counting Crows is going to be happening August 25th. 
Uh, tickets available. We have two sold-out shows in September right now, REO in Chicago. New shows, again, that were added not long ago, Foreigner, Rodney Carrington. Uh, and uh, Foreigner is October 6th. Rodney Carrington is October 27th. And the Aaron Lewis show is November 9th. Tickets are available for those shows right now. So shows are coming back beginning this Friday night at the Showplace Theater. We also have Beats and Bites. Two more shows left in the uh, outdoor concert series at Riverwind. Always a great time. Weather got us on the Gin Blossoms and Tonic. That'll be rescheduled. Your tickets will be good for the rescheduled Gin Blossoms and Tonic show. Might, and I underline the word, might happen around October. Kind of like they did Bedlam Beats and Bites last year. But July 8th, how about Mark Chestnut? With Shenandoah and Tracy Bird. And then August 26th, the music of Gary Allen, Beats and Bites 2023, presented by Coop Ale Works. Great outdoor environment, all the best local food trucks out there, games for the kids, arts and crafts, great craft beer from Coop Ale Works. And again, a great environment to bring your folding chairs, your lawn chairs, and uh, just set up out there, have a great time, and listen to some great music. By the way, that July 8th show always has a tremendous fireworks spectacular uh, after the show as well. And Riverwind, you know, they do things first class. They're going to have the best fireworks show in the area. All right, 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439. Chevrolet text line. Do, 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 do. More than Texas, maybe a needle in the eye. Texas sucks, says the 405. Yeah, um, probably just need to wait. I will say that it, it could be very likely, though, once the SEC really gets going full tilt for Oklahoma. The LS, LSU, at least the fans, the Texas fans are, they're tea sippers, right? They thumb their nose at everybody else. But I do like the fact that they call Tech the Sand Aggies. I just learned that, and that's pretty cool. But the LSU fans are low-down, dirty, subhuman creatures, 90% of them. And just wait till you see. Wait until you see. The fans that were there in New Orleans, you know, they'll tell you what it was like. Saliva was flying. From the mouths of those filthy LSU creature fans spitting at the OU fans. Throwing beers, dumping beers on the OU fans. Just wait. I'm telling you. It's going to be bad. You know what I was excited about? Parker's taking a very important phone call right now. It's got to be recruiting related. That Josie Joe Harris and Brent, when he was on at Rudy's last Thursday, were talking about looking at reevaluating tailgating and Brent said every inch of grass should have a you know a tailgate grass can grow back Brent I love it absolutely you know I was thinking about this today friend was asking me you know what sporting events have you been to what have you not been to and I said number one I'd like to go to would be Wimbledon but I said you know I've been to the Masters I've been to an NCAA football championship final four Uh, have not been to a World Series game, haven't been to a Super Bowl game, or the Super Bowl, you don't have to add game, but I have no interest in going to the Super Bowl. You know why? Now, if I get a freebie or something for a ticket and, you know, accommodations or whatever, I'd probably change my mind. But other than that, it's way too corporate. And any time you bring corporate into an environment, it becomes much more boring. 
And I think that's kind of what's happened a little bit with OU tailgating. So I hope they reevaluate that. I'd love to see Lindsay Street again. I understand, you know, it tears up the, the, the property a little bit, whatever. But, you know, just get like Cody Elwood or somebody out there, a grass expert. Well, Gunny from Stutzman Army would be a grass expert in many ways. But you know what I'm saying? Where we can just we can take care of that. There needs to be a more intimidating, bigger, better environment around the stadium. Now I do like Fan Fest. All of those were good ideas, but again, it just seems too corporate to me. Corporate means so I I really don't know again unless I got freebies if I would be wanting to go to a Super Bowl because again, too corporate. Final Four got too corporate too. Used to be in. You know, at the pit in Albuquerque, the one I went to, Kemper Arena, Oklahoma, Kansas, nightmare. But you were there? Too corporate. Too corporate. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And it was – I wasn't there for the championship game, but the uh, Saturday game. And it would have been much more difficult to handle the uh, final game there in person, but I had other things I had to do in 1988 at that time. Okay, uh, let's get back to the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet tax line. By the way, Riverwind Casino, thank you, thank you, thank you. And again, Beats and Bites, next show July 8th. And again, Earth, Wind, and Fire this Friday night at the Showplace Theater. Tickets online, Beats and Bites tickets are only 10 bucks a piece, riverwind.com or at the casino box office. And, uh, you know, uh, we have tickets available. Just get on the website. Uh, and go to Showplace Theater, and you'll see all the shows that are sold out, all the ones that have tickets available, and get those now online, riverwind.com. You ready to go to the text line? Big Rich in OKC says, the LSU fans average five teeth each, and they are bright yellow like swamp creatures. I mean... Is that an accurate characterization? Pretty much on course, yes. Pretty much on par. Based on my experience in New Orleans. How recently were you in New Orleans? Was that 2003? That Have was, you been back since? Um, I'm trying to think. Did we go back? Uh, no. No, I haven't been back since 2003. I've been there twice, and I would just say the LSU fans made a lot of it miserable. 580. Steely did you some work for Pat O'Neill, former OU player from the Wilkinson Wilkinson area showed me some pretty cool memorabilia. Nice man. I bet that stuff's awesome. My dad worshipped the ground that Bud Wilkinson walked on. There is no doubt. No doubt about it. Hopefully he's up there having some conversations in the heaven with Bud because he loved him some Bud Wilkinson. Chuck says, put Gunny in charge of tailgating at OU. <laughs> oh, boy. That would be you know more exactly like, what would happen. That'd be, what was it? Was it Woodstock? 2000 that went up in flames pretty much you don't want to burn down the stadium you know but yeah grill boy himself travis davidson says lsu fans having so few teeth would explain why they're taking so many jello shots in omaha there you go travis on the money on the money like i said the uh i wonder what the worst fan base is in like the pac-12 and the big 10 but the sec it's got to be lsu uh, I can't imagine anybody worse than LSU. Uh, in the Big 12 would be Tech. But like I said, Tech, they seem like uh, altar boys and like really classy people compared to the LSU creatures. And that's what they are. Creatures. Cretans. Just horrible, horrible, horrible 
subhumans. Do you think people say stuff like this about the Oklahoma fans? Um, probably Texas fans do. Well, I'm sure Texas fans do, but, you know. Now, because- you know, if you have a grandma who's an LSU fan and she's normal, I apologize. But I'm telling you, the vast majority of them are just really bad. So, if you uh, want to make that trip to Baton Rouge, uh, wear Kevlar, a Kevlar helmet and vest. And maybe a face shield, you know, like the the riot police do, because it's on when you get out to Baton Rouge. And now in the morning, you know, they become like Lon Chaney and the Wolfman. Once the sun goes down, the wolf comes out there. Okay, break time, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Kevin Sperry coming to play high school football in the state of Oklahoma. We will talk to Parker Thune about that and more when we get back right here on The Ref. Welcome back. Good to have you along. Locked in coming up at 2 o'clock. Appreciate everybody's uh, great text today on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405 651 3439, Mike Steely Parker Thune with you. All right. Jordy Ball has spoken. They had a press conference in Nebraska. And uh, let's hear what Jordy Ball said after, uh, man, it's been, this will be uh, two weeks Thursday. So it's been uh, 12 days since she led Oklahoma to a national championship. Two natties for uh, Jordy Ball, MVP of this uh, last national championship, and she was just absolutely dominant, fantastic for OU. Great career at OU, but went to the portal, going back to Nebraska to play for the Cornhuskers, be close to family and her boyfriend and everything. This is Jordy Ball talking about what the last week has been like. Yeah, it was a week of a lot of highs and then also some low feelings just because it was hard to leave what has been so great the last two years as far as just the people and everything. But you come off of winning a national championship and um, going to Toby Keats and hanging out with him afterwards, which was pretty cool. But then you have to break it to your teammates and your coaches that you've decided to make the decision to come home. Um, And so that was kind of sad. But once I got home and have started to settle in, unpacking everything finally, um, it's just started to sink in that, you know, like this is real. I'm not going to have to leave home again and I'm going to get to represent it. And so that's just been a feeling of just just happiness, relief, joy. I'm just very excited to be here. So a long week, but a good week. Jordy Ball, good for her, and uh, wish her the very best. Great uh, two-year stand at the University of Oklahoma, and uh, fantastic, you know, in the uh, in the uh, Women's College World Series. And, again, uh, great, great career, two-year career at OU. So, you know, um, nothing wrong with wanting to return and be back alongside family and your serious boyfriend and going back to your roots, particularly after she's accomplished. Now, she could clearly, you know, Oklahoma could win two more while she, if she would have stayed at Oklahoma, they would have been the favorites. There's no doubt. But um, there's nothing wrong with pursuing happiness. And not that she wasn't happy at OU, but this will make her, it seems like, a little more fulfilled. You're not going back to Nebraska anytime soon, are you, Parker? That's sure not the plan, Steely. Now, Rebecca's home is what? She's from San Antonio. San Antonio. Her home for the next three-plus years is Tinker Air Force Base. Right. 
So at least for three-plus years, I'm not going anywhere. Okay, there you go. Well, I think you need to make your commitment right now. No more visits anyplace else. Are you committing to the ref and the University of Oklahoma for the next five years? For the next five years? Yes. I mean, look, Steely. No visits, no freaking Colton Vosick, you know, Anthony Evans stuff. We need your commitment right now. No visits. I, I can commit through 2027 Okay. at the very least. I hope it's a lot longer than that. Yeah. But I also understand I don't know where life's going to take me. Not one to follow the money. Let's though. say that Thune's headed to the portal. He's looking for a payout somewhere else. You heard it right there. He will not commit. Now I can promise you this. I will never cover the University of Texas. Okay. That I can promise you. You're going to bail on the Sooners when it gets tough? Is that what you're going to do? Don't do it. Don't do it. You might end up the mule shoe of the media. Patrick says Parker needs to get Oklahoma license plates for us to believe. <laughs> yeah, that's in the works. Uh, Jordy won't be in the Women's College World Series anymore. Jordy's dead to me. Kevin Durant, 5-8. <laughs> like a quote from Kevin Durant. You know, I mean, they they were just in the regional, right? They were in the Stillwater Regional, weren't they? Nebraska. So they yeah they were. They get a shot. I mean, they're, they're a shot. top sixty four, right? At yes. the very least. And you had a player like Jordy Ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a chance Nebraska makes a case for the Women's College World Series next year. It's going to take more than just Jordy Ball. Can promise you that. You know, but here was the. Uh, Dumbest question on the text line in a while that we've had. And if you sent it, I'm sorry, you're not dumb, but the question was dumb. What's the difference between Muleshoe and Jordy Ball? Hmm. Well, let's see. Muleshoe, uh, you know, was very, very. There was a lot of subterfuge with Muleshoe. There was a lot of. Behind-the-scenes stuff, personal days, which were BS. And, you know, well, we just worked this out in two hours on a Sunday morning and thought, what the heck, let's go. You know, not true. That ain't true. And, again, Jordy Ball won two national championships, poured her heart and soul into the University of Oklahoma softball program, was highly successful. She won championships. And what else am I leaving out? Mule shoe is a sack of feces. Jordy Ball is a good, solid human. Does that cover it? Anything else you'd like to add to that? The difference between Mule shoe leaving and the difference between Jordy Ball leaving, which we said was the dumbest question maybe we've had in a while. Mule shoe. Also, I mean, they, they left like... Who was the uh, the Colts? Uh, Robert Ursay. They might have Robert Ursay. They might as well have had the Mayflower band. That back man in the was day. Mule Shoe before Mule Shoe. That's right. They Packing left. up in the dead of night to ship out. They left at like four in the morning. They tried to sneak away, and they were caught by video journalists. And you can see the look like oh, <laughs> Robert Ursay. What a dude. Everybody's saying the difference. Two national championships. Yes. 
But, yeah, that was that was a question we got. And Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant told Russell Westbrook and Nick Collison he was coming back. Then he went phone dead uh, for about 48 hours. And then the uh, My Next Chapter tweet came out on that fateful July 4th. The worst 4th of July ever. But the Thunder's back, man. The Thunder's coming back. We got the draft coming up. Thursday night, 7 o'clock on ABC ESPN. Will the Thunder stay at 12? Will they get Kobe Bufkin? Will they get Grady Dick? Will they get Leonard Miller? Will they get Taylor Hendricks? Will they get Kaysan Wallace? I think they're moving on up like the Jeffersons. That's what I think is going to happen. But we'll see. you got to have a dance partner in that deal. But the draft coming up Thursday night. We'll have Brandon Navarre on uh, with us Thursday and uh, see what Brandon has to say. Okay, thank you guys. Thank you so much for all the great texts today on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. want to thank our friends at Riverwind Casino. Get out there, play with your wild card today, get the extra points for the 80K beginnings and winnings drawing coming up on Saturday evening out at Riverwind Casino. Also want to thank Dr. Bilardo and the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. Everybody have a terrific Tuesday. Locked in is coming up next.